0: Alright, welcome to another episode of the Keep It or Change Cars podcast. My name is Gugu Masuku, I'm your host, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Michael Pursuits. Episode 256, 257? 270, whatever you <laughs> want to I love see, it. Right? We're also joined by Spike Ballantyne. So you may have heard about Spike Ballantyne when we were doing the podcast. He's always behind the scenes, but he's a man with a story. Um, a man who's been in the motoring industry for many, many, many years. So we thought we'd get him into studio here and just chat to him about his career, what he's doing, how he got into it. He used to have a TV show just by the way, so you may recognize the face when you do see him. Spike, welcome. (laughs) Thank you, gents. Good to be here. Good to have you. Thank you. So let's chat. Who is Spike Ballantyne or Brendan Ballantyne, for those who don't know?
1: Oh yeah, so that's that's one point of confusion. I do answer to both. (laughs) So uh, my mother was quite upset when she saw Spike on TV for the first time. She was like, what's wrong with your real name? But, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was. What f- is your real name? You got another name I've besides a, Spike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> um, so yeah, I started on on. Uh, I got into motoring um, in about 2005. I started with what was called Top Car Magazine back in the day. Um, I had been working in radio for a long time before then, and I decided I wanted something different. and I loved cars, and so I, I kind of put a, a demo together with the car I was driving at the time, which was an Audi S3. Um, the, another Audi fan yeah yeah through and through always welcome on the show thank you yeah <laughs> um, and yeah so I, I put an audition together with that and um, landed a, a, a gig with, um, with Top Car magazine as part of their TV show that they had on Supersport um, and yeah that's
0: that's kind of where it started Do you have any TV background back then? I know you you, you did radio. Yeah,
1: no, I had zero. I had nothing. Uh, So you just winged it? Yeah, I just, I kind of put a a screen test together. I I did a review of my own car at the time and gave it, I actually handed it out to, I think two or three TV shows that were doing the rounds at that time mm-hmm. one was on SABC and then, then
2: the other one was, you know, the, the more well known one was Top Car Magazine. This is a very special moment for me, I'm looking at Spike and I'm seeing June 2022 in my vision, you said did you have any TV experience? No, I just oh, did a deductive. June 2022 <laughs> <laughs> Made my first year appearance on TV June 2022 yes. yeah. At 2.35 p.m. on June the 18th. <laughs> really? It's kind of yeah, in really. my memory. I'm joking yeah. that I'm making up.
1: That's the thing. It's like, it, it, everyone's like, oh, you had no experience, but it's really not that difficult. Yeah. If you can stand up and have a conversation For with sure. someone- it's easy enough.
0: Look, it is difficult because I remember I was there before. You were there. You had to see all of it. Yeah,
1: I was there at the genesis of your TV story as well. Like, oh.
0: <laughs> it was bad, eh? It was, there were a few struggles. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I know. It was bad. But we, we grow and we get there. <laughs> and I think everybody's got a
2: different style. The three mm. of us, we've yeah. got a different style. But what would you say, Spike, Gugu, in your opinion, is a key to being on TV, being on radio, doing a podcast yeah. like this? It's all the same. What is a key for you?
1: I think that's the standout thing, no matter what form match you're in is authenticity you have 100%. to be real you can't you can't Can say the same you know it's it's for a long time um you know there was a, a thing that you know when Clarkson was around and Top Gear was around everyone kind of wanted to be the next Clarkson and the next Top Gear and it's, you can't do that because they're, done re- it. they're already there They're and no one's going to do it better than they are or they did and so you know whatever you're doing just do it authentically you know use your own voice use your own words take your own approach on things And and my thing was never you know, I, the gap that I saw as far as I could see it back when I was in TV was that there was, you know, there was kind of the reviews were sort of very uh, up and down. You know, there was no real kind of storytelling or insight or creativity around it. They were like, this is the car. This is how fast it goes. This is the a 100 This is what I like. This is what I don't like. And so I try to kind of weave a bit of storytelling into all the reviews that I did. And that was the gap that I saw. And it was kind of always my take on you know the cars that I was doing. And you know, that authenticity sometimes got me to trouble. People didn't like what I said sometimes, which which is always fine. You know, it just means that they're watching and listening to what
2: you're saying. Some people ask for forgiveness, some people ask for permission. Yay. Sounds like you ask for a lot of I forgiveness. Asked, yeah exactly.
1: I got I got a lot of hate emails from uh, Passat owners in particular actually. Really? Yeah. What, is, what,
2: what is a Passat? Yeah uh, it's a very boring Volkswagen. Well, interesting. I know we're going off on a tangent, <laughs> but if there's one name again the product funny enough I thought the VW Passat as a product throughout oh. the years, mm. was an excellent car. Phenomenal. I've always loved it. hundred mm. gr- percent great car. But the name, just with all due respect to whoever came up with that name, that was mm. a cuck name. Yeah.
1: And that's the thing Ooh. about the Passat itself, if you look at it on paper, it's excellent a great car. It's a great mm. car, great value for money. But wow, it's boring to drive. It just, yeah, really, really unexciting car to drive. And uh, yeah, people didn't like that, so. <laughs> ah.
2: <laughs> and yourself, Google, so I asked
0: Spike, what for you is it about being on TV? What is a key ingredient? I think like you said, authenticity, um, yeah, just, just being you. Because I, I see a lot of people, like Spike said, you, they, they come on there and they try to be something. When you're trying to be something, it really doesn't, it mm-hmm. doesn't resonate with anyone, Yeah, right? Cool. And I think that, that, that applies for TV, that applies for radio, that applies for podcasts, and I've done all of them. Just be you. I mean, I got onto Cliff Central. Um, Spike knows. We work together. And I was only meant to be a technical producer for the show. I got thrown in the deep end the one time and spoke and spoke authentically. I didn't care what they thought. Next thing you know, it was like, we want more of that guy. Uh, For sure, for sure. Then I ended up being on the show.
2: Mm. One of the things that stuck with me, 1991, Michael Schumacher makes his debut. And everybody was saying, yeah, he's the next Edgerton Senna. And Michael said in his very German accent, I am not the next Earth and Center. I am the Michael Schumacher. And that's the no. truth. Be yourself. Yeah. And that, and that always important. stuck with me. People yeah. must be able to relate to you. Yeah. But you've got a really interesting story. I mean, we talk about going back 18 years. Is there anything that you haven't done? Um, not yet. Not yet,
1: no. <laughs> no, there's, I mean, in, in, a, in a motoring sense, there's there's lots that I want to do now. Uh, I've kind of moved away. When I was doing the TV thing and, and I had my own podcast for a short time, um, that just became too much work for me because I was trying to do everything myself. So it just became too much of a workload and then I kind of had to give that up. But in Mm-hmm. Can't do the podcast. So I'll just manage
2: it. Let Google and yeah, I yeah, do yeah, the yeah. work. Yeah, let them do the hard work <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Yeah. I'll just Turn sit
1: there back and no, try that again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of merging, there's there's lots of stuff I'd love to still do. I mean, I've I've really got now kind of a passion for you know fixer upper projects or kind of restoration product projects yeah. and i'd love to take an old car and fix it up but not to not for any other reason than just to restore it to its former glory doing it yourself or filming yeah, it watching no, uh, I, I, I doing to it, it doing it my doing it myself as far as i can i think there's there's limitations to what you can do as a, as a newbie you know you've got, you got, got to realize that there are things that maybe you, you should leave up to the professionals but the other thing is i've realized is there is so much knowledge out there that there really Correct. isn't a there probably isn't a problem you can't tackle yourself with the right amount of training of, of yourself. You know, if you watch enough YouTube Hello, videos, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, if you're not, you know Google stuff, you speak to people, you go to forums, you'll learn a lot. I think yeah. the, 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 the problem is finding the right tools and the space to do it in. But uh, yeah, I would love to restore an old car. I would love to do, I mean, I, I, know, I know it's a touchy subject, so I don't really <laughs> want to bring it up. Oh, I, no, 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 no. Not that touchy. No, no, not that, <laughs> touchy, not that touchy. No, I'd really have to do an EV conversion. Like my first, my very first car was a 1400 bucky, a Datsun 1400 bucky. Ah. And I love that car. And I, to this day, I would love to get an old 1400 bucky and do an EV conversion because I think it's the right
2: platform to do In it. In 1975, right. when the Datsun 120Y came out, because before it was a 1400, yeah, it was, it a, was a 1200. Yeah. I can just see the designers of that bucky saying, one day, 50 years from now, somebody will turn us into an electric vehicle, <laughs> not. <laughs> Hectic. But it's, what's so interesting you said about the knowledge out there. So a week ago, I was in Peter Marisburg for cars in the park. There's a gentleman who restores motorbikes, old motorbikes. When I say old, not vintage 40s or 50s, mm. but 1980s motorbikes. He had the most beautiful Yamaha and Honda there. You look at it, if I say to you, Gugu, Spike, they looked 100% original. Then he talked us through. He said, "You see this uh, brake grip? You see this clutch? Obviously, should look the same. This one broke. Try find a clutch a, a clutch for an, you know the clutch handle mm. for 1981 by. Impossible. He machines it on a lathe, polishes it, cuts it, joins it. Yeah. The expertise." absolutely yeah. is out there.
1: And I think the amazing thing is we, we, if you look for things that you particularly want to do that you may not have seen before, you'll find answers to it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm particularly interested in, in you know, being able to machine or create new interior parts out of plastic. And I've seen videos of guys who have 3D printed 3D entire printing. dashboards mm. and yeah. entire center consoles and new switches and new buttons. Mm. And it looks amazing. And, you know, that kind of stuff is being done. The knowledge is out there. The technology is there. So, there's the, you know, that's that's kind of my
0: impetus to get it done is like it is completely possible. So would you say that's that's that could be one possible way. I mean parts are expensive, car parts are expensive. I saw that with bike parts recently. Yes. Mm-hmm. As would you say, 3D printing would be cheaper or more affordable?
1: I think for certain things, yes. Mm. Uh, I think the the question is: is it more affordable? Probably, but is it fit for purpose? That's the one question. The other question is: does it look as good as the original? Ah. You know, because 3D printing has got its uh, it's got its limitations in terms of final finish. Mm. So it's probably not going to look as good as an injection molded what what. But you know, to to have a, a part there that that does a job and. Looks the part. may not look 100% authentic, but I think it's it's a viable alternative. And one of the things about this podcast
2: is for our audience to learn, and trust me, I'm learning. I've got a Lancia Monte Carlo, mm. 1982, very neat condition. You've seen it. But there's certain vents that are missing, and everybody talks about no problem. There are guys that will do you 3D printing. Mm. With God as my witness, until I heard it, I didn't know it existed. What exactly is 3D printing? Teach me, teach our audience. So 3D printing is
1: essentially the, the kind of kind of the name says it. You use a, a filament, a plastic filament, and they're different grades and different kinds of plastic depending on the application. Uh, and essentially, it's a machine that builds up the part. Of uh, a three D um, image, yeah, you know, that you create. So you'll use a program like uh, Fusion Three Hundred and Sixty or SketchUp or whatever it is, and you will create that part or that uh, that object in three D um, with measurements, with tolerances, with everything you need. Uh, and then you will send that file to the three D printer, and that three D printer will realize that part in in reality. It's a very simplified way of describing what it does, but that's essentially what it does. Do You
2: prefer EFT or credit card when I do the payment because I can't do this myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, EFT is always better, but Thank yeah, the, the, that's the thing. It, it's you know there are people who will be able to do it. And I guarantee you, if you, spend some time enough time on the internet, you'll find someone who will. Mm. You know, if they don't, if they don't, if they aren't able to print the part for you, will be able to. You know, point you in the right direction. And my favourite are guys who go, "No, I've got this part, but I can't give it to you." But then someone else will scan that. We'll do a 3D scan of that part, and then you can import, refine it, and wow. then print your own version.
0: And there's lots of it being done. It's insane. Yeah. Once SA's leading insurance, visit ChangeCars.co.za and click on the Discovery logo. Okay, Spike. So you spoke about what you'd like to do in the future: put batteries in a old Datsun, whatever. Um, Whatever. What is it? It's a 1400. 1400. 1400. It's a champion of Africa. I wasn't there. (laughs) Wow. Is it the champion?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So they they used to have a 1400 champ, a 1400 sport, 1400 deluxe. Okay. Okay. okay? I promise you, when I look back, because remember, I've often said it. I started in 1991. When I look back 30 years ago, without lying, we had Datsun buckies from the 70s and early 80s. Nissans from the mid 80s and they were like a dime a dozen mm. like you'd buy a polo today as a motor dealer you buy five six seven polos four hiluxes three Fortunas a month because they're good sellers that's how we used to buy nissan 1400s mm. these things always used to fly out mm. how tall are you spike i'm 173 designed for you how mm. tall are you One eight one, one eight two not even remotely designed for <laughs> you. <laughs> no, no. At 178, 179, okay, you will just fit in there, but at 180 plus, I promise you, your head, no matter what position you sit in the seat, mm. and when I say sit, because the seat's not adjustable, am I correct in saying? The,
1: the, the, the Champ, the later ones did have. So you had
2: Oh, excuse had, me, had, what had, kind of adjustment? Like, <laughs> no yeah, yeah, no,
1: they're really tight, but there, yes. was, there was the one with the bench seat, which wasn't yeah. adjustable, right. and
2: the other they had the individual seats which were marginally adjustable. That's right, but there was the two, ones that had two seats yeah. and then it had like a square headrest yeah. with marginal that that's true. Mm. Up to one set one meter seventy nine, you yeah. were uncomfortable.
0: Okay. So <laughs> the question for you that I had before you digressed and went on to one now, one eighty-five, one seventy. All the technical stuff <laughs> the been. There's one stuff. thing we don't know yet. What? How tall are you? Yeah, how tall are you? 182. Okay, there we okay. go. All right. Now we can carry on. Uncom- uncomfortable <laughs> is a verdict. <laughs> so you, you and I've spoken, and you've spoken about how the, the the industry killed your passion for cars at mm. some point. Yeah, tell me about that. So I think when you when you
1: this is the one thing that that I that I learned a lesson I learned over time, and it wasn't just because of motoring. It was it was because of of other work that I was involved in. And is that you know it's all well and good to follow your passion, and it's it's amazing if you can get to the point where your work is your passion. Um, but eventually, it has to pay the bills. Like your passion is not going to pay bills. Um, and I think that's what I mean is that eventually it became a job rather than a passion because I was, I was working really hard to try and just, so to, to give you a bit of context, when I went from radio to TV, my salary dropped by 50%. So I'd kind of built up this lifestyle and got used to it and then you know dropped by 50%. And then, you know, we were, the show that we had was was it lived by the by the grace of sponsors so when sponsors like fell by the wayside then we had to struggle to find you know another sponsor or sponsors cut budgets or and eventually it got to the point where there just wasn't you know there was no one was willing to sponsor the show change cars wasn't around at that time way before (laughs) way before uh and that's the thing it just became it became this thing of of you know yeah you were doing this work and and we were you know, we were traveling a lot. I saw a lot of the world. You know, because of the show, I drove amazing cars.
0: We're gonna get uh, into that just now. Yeah, yeah, and
1: and but it got to the point where it was like, you know, at the end of the month, I was like, well, cool. I still don't have enough money to survive or to to do what I want to do or actually kind of build up any sort of nest egg. So it it did become the reality set in. It was like this was this was a great job, but it wasn't the job that was going to take me anywhere. And I think that. You know, maybe it's maybe it was the industry in South Africa, the, the television industry in South Africa and I think
0: that's that's core journalism car yeah. journalism as a whole. Like you I get to so. enjoy this massive lifestyle. Yeah. Drive these fancy cars, yeah. go to fancy places in the world, like you say. Yeah. But at the end of the day yeah. And
1: then what makes it yeah, what what kind of makes it more difficult to deal with is you look at what happens overseas, yeah. and how these guys run. You know, I mean, I, I heard a a story that Top Gear, when in its heyday, Top Gear got more money per episode than our TV got got for a whole season. Whew. So yeah, that was kind of then you're dealing with that and going, well, why is that the case? And it kind of doesn't sit well. So yeah, eventually it got to the point where. And I think also creatively after doing it for 10 years, you know, week in and week out, eventually you kind of start getting weary of like, what can you say about this car? What, what approach can you tell? What story can you tell about this car? On top of the stress of, you know, not earning enough money. And that was under the unfortunate uh, kind of end of
2: my motoring career on that side. Well, that's interesting because for me, it's the same in... Any career. You take tennis players. A guy like Novak Djokovic is earning tens and tens of millions mm. of dollars a year. But interesting, how many tennis players in the world, out of a sport that is broadcast to billions, can earn a living from the sport? Mm. What would you imagine it is? It's it's a tiny fragment. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter what industry it is. Novak Djokovic is making billions. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, billions of rands. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But… The, the number 120th ranked player in the world is battling to survive. Yes, he he's is. not even covering, he's losing money. Yeah. So the prize money that he wins versus his hotel expenses, because that's yeah. not sponsored. Travelers. You know, Novak Djokovic, everywhere he goes, I don't think that man would have paid for a meal and he's like, ah, oh, Mr. Djokovic, yeah. Mr. Federer, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Nadal. Yeah. But it's just interesting. And the point is, it doesn't matter what industry car industry, fantastic. There's always going to be the Matt Watsons and the Jeremy Clarksons, mm. and then there's going to be thousands, literally thousands, yeah. that are not on that level.
0: Yeah. Did you forget my name there? <laughs> and you mentioned Jeremy Clarkson and Matt Watson. I said,
2: I said and then, then there's thousands that are not on that level, and then you get the stratospheric level, Mr. <laughs> ah, okay. Masuku. Okay. Uh,
1: I'm glad my, my lessons have, have turned out so well.
0: Yeah, they have. They yeah. have. So we, we told the story, I mean, what Sparks referring to there... Um, if you haven't listened to that episode in the podcast, we basically I told the story of how Spike and I met. Um, and if you've missed it, he was my lecturer at some point. So he he was my lecturer slash the guy on TV reviewing cars, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Slash Mister Valentine slash Mister Valentine, yeah. and yeah. he taught me a lot. Yeah. Taught me a lot. Es-
1: essentially, Google fanboy me.
0: Fanboy me. For, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I did actually. <laughs> that was crazy. Okay, so you've obviously driven a lot of cars. Yeah. I mean, I've driven a lot of cars now, but. Mm. I mean, you probably way more.
1: I've I've worked out at when I when I've when my podcast ended, uh, 2021, I think it was. Mm. I worked out. I went back because I archive everything because mm. I'm OCD like that. And I kind of worked out how many cars I drove per year and how long it. And I think I've driven, I've test driven probably
0: 1100 cars. 1100, yeah, 1100. Mm. That's insane. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot. I'm lot gonna of ask cars. you this question again. I asked you the question when we first met. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, donkey years ago. Yeah, yeah. What 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 what's the best car you've driven? That, that's the first the question I asked you. The, ask them, the first way. question
1: you guys know. Any when when people meet you, like, oh no, what's the best car? Yeah, it's yeah. the first question anybody yeah. asks. Yeah. So and I, I don't have an answer I, 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 because it's it's a thing. It's a contextual thing. So I remember. So but go on. I don't know if I if I'd driven this car by the time I'd met you. Yeah. But the best car. Ultimately, by the time I'd I'd finished, the best car I'd driven was a Ferrari four five eight Berlinetta. <laughs> that was that technically was the best car I ever drove. It felt amazing. It sounded great. It looked amazing. It went. We drove it on Frontship Pass. Uh, it was incredible.
0: Mm. But
1: I don't think I'd ever own a Ferrari because I'm not a Ferrari guy. Mm. Um, you know, the other cars that I've driven that I've that I've you know the thing that I always enjoyed about cars was the cars that surprised you the most. So you know, like the Volkswagen up for me is one of the best cars ever. Why did
2: they ever stop that? Why did they stop that? Why I did it know. not take off? Yeah. The polo is a recipe mm. for success. Yeah. The Yaris has done superb. Mm. Why did the up not do well? I don't I think it's probably too small and
1: just a culture thing. Like South Africans yeah. don't like small cars. Yeah. As much as that car was so well spec and really went well and was and you know for me looked great. I think it was just this thing of, oh no, it's just this small car that oh, we don't want to be thing. seen in. We would rather have a polo. I love the Jaguar uh, F Type V8 SVR. That was phenomenal. Uh, Porsche Cayman GT4 it was the last test car I ever had, and one of the best cars I've ever driven.
0: So yeah. Okay. So is. you've driven quite a few since we've spoken, because the answer that you gave me back then was the Mercedes Benz. Is it the SLS? Not an easy car to forget a, that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, and also
1: almost a car almost crashed. But really? uh, tell us more. <laughs> I we we did the launch at Kailami and it was it was early in the morning. It was cold. Um, and I got in the car and, and the, the initial run was with the instructor in the driver's or in the passenger seat and the driver select modes are in the center console. Um, and it's, if you, you know, if you don't if you're not familiar with it, it's, it's kind of like normal driving, then it's sport, then it's sport plus, then it's race. And it's and insane. It, then it's like, are you crazy? You and then, and <laughs> yeah. the last one is like, okay, you're going to die. Yeah. Where it just switches everything off. So I got in the car, um, into the driver's seat and I reached over and I swapped it. I switched it from from normal to sport because that kind of standard procedure because we were on track and I didn't want to have everything let go all at once so like I wanted a bit of ABS and a bit of traction control but a little bit relaxed and then I was talking to the cameraman and then I think what happened is that the instructor got in and also clicked it over but ah. I think he also thought it was in normal and he clicked oh. it over to, to the next setting down ah. which relaxed things even more yeah. and then we went out and um, it was it was cold. The track was cold. The car was cold. The tires were cold. Everything was cold. And I booted it a little bit too early into the one corner and the thing just swapped. And I ended up about a meter and a half from the barrier.
2: I'm not even joking with you. How was that experience? It was Do incredible. you remember it yeah. to this day? Yeah. If ever you've lost a car, I can promise you, I
0: remember every single time I've had a near incident in mm, a car. Really? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. You drive Quattro. I thought you were going to diss them for driving a rear-wheel drive car. <laughs> you should have so, been in a Quattro, man. It's
2: amazing that you talk about that. So mm-hmm. if you know the Linksfield off-ramp, mm-hmm. if you're coming from Joburg, yep. traveling towards Germston, yep. take the Linksfield off-ramp, it's a sharp right. Exactly that. It had been raining. Audi R8, V10, Quattro. Mm. You can't, uh, can't make this car step out of line. Mm. Go around the corner. I'm mean, in a hurry. Floored it. Absolutely. Wanted to swap. Yeah. But it sticks with me yeah. forever yeah, because yeah. there's a feeling like I've lost over, it. Yeah. I've yeah, lost it. Over. And then you're so proud when you haven't properly lost it. <laughs> and then you hope somebody videotaped it. Yeah, yeah. But oh, just something about the way you two met. And this mm. is something, and aside, you haven't a clue what I'm about to say. I always say in life, everything you do, Will come back to reward you, or come back to punish you. And every single day, Gugu, Spike, I don't know if you agree with me, you are being judged. Here's a gentleman today, and I say it respectfully, you're equal. Ten years ago, he was, you saw, he was your superior because he was your lecturer. But obviously he made an impression. Here is an approachable guy. Here's a guy I can relate to. 10 years later, look how it helps you. And if I could say to anybody in our audience, because often I get asked, what advice would you give to anybody starting in business? Mm. Just make sure you realize that everything you do, positively or negatively, you are being judged. And it will come back Mm. to reward you or punish you. So well done, Spike. If it wasn't for you being such a good guy, (laughs) we wouldn't have this uh, podcast.
1: (laughs) uh, you're absolutely right. I was actually thinking about this not so long ago, is that it really doesn't take a lot of time or a lot of effort if someone approaches you for mm. advice it takes it take and the thing is this this is something i learned really early on and it's something that i've i've kind of managed i've always done whatever i can to help that advice um you know if, before motoring i was in radio before in before radio i was a sound engineer uh, at a studio and you know, those positions, I got into I got into sound engineering because of a family connection and the guy who said, okay, fine, yeah, I'll just come to my studio and you can hang around for a week. And I worked there for three years in the end. And, you know, whenever somebody approached me back then to say, well, how do I get into a studio? You're like, give them as much time as they need. 100%. Give them as much advice they want because I was once in that position. I was once in Google's position where I wanted to be on TV. And I, I mean, I didn't have anyone to approach, but I always say that if someone approaches you, it takes very little effort to give it some guidance. And it might be, a ten-minute conversation. It might be an hour-long coffee. It might turn out to be something like Google and I have got, where you know, years later, we're still of in us. contact, we're still friends, we're still friends, and you know,
2: there's there's massive benefit for both of us. So just always take the time. Well, think about it in context. Somebody's asking you for advice. There can be a number of reasons. They look up to you because you're older. They look up to you because of your perceived position on radio, on mm. TV, a knowledgeable individual. What a privilege. I'm here. You asking me for advice. Thank you. I'm humbled that you see me as somebody who can guide you. Mm -hmm. And we're all talking the same thing. Somebody asks you for advice. Just remember, they're doing you a favor. You're not doing them a favor. Mm -hmm. What can can I answer for you, gentlemen, right now? (laughs) It's my my pleasure. Wealth of
0: knowledge. (laughs) Look, my next question to you was going to be, what what made you give me the time of day? But I think you've answered that. Yeah, Yeah? because
1: because it costs nothing.
0: Yeah. But you gave me more than the time of day, Spike, if I remember correctly. I think the the thing is, you, you'll always,
1: you know, I've met people who have wanted to get into radio or motoring or, or mm. podcasts or whatever. And they'll come to you and go, well, how do I do it? And you kind of have an initial conversation. And you can kind of gauge from that whether they're serious or not. I think a lot of people, particularly in the motoring space, don't realize actually it's quite a lot of hard work to get anywhere. Uh, you know, you can't just rock up and drive a car and say, Oh, this is really cool and I love a V eight or whatever. It's not it's not what it's about. And I think the difference is that when you 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 do meet those people and you recognize that there's there's you know, there's a willingness to learn that there's a willingness to put in the effort. It's so not like I said to you, Well, fine, thanks very much. I said to you go, go write me a script. Yeah, you did. And and you wrote me a script. Granted, it was terrible. Yeah, but the was. point is you wrote it.
2: You put in the effort. No need for editing of this <laughs> particular podcast.
1: <laughs> but that's the point, is you wrote it. And mm. from there it's like cool. Okay, this guy's serious. And well then done. feedback. And then okay, and then you know, then it developed from there. Looking to
0: buy a new or used car? Visit changecars.co.za so you've been in the industry for many, many years. Um, how has the industry for you evolved? I mean, you're not actively in the industry now, but mm. you know what's going on.
1: Yeah, I think the the obvious one is the the obvious one there is the rise of the influencer, Oof. Um, which I know is a touchy a subject people. for some people in the room. Um, but the, I saw that towards the end of my kind of stint in, in motoring is that um, you know the manufacturers got to a point where all they really wanted was eyeballs. and mm. didn't really care about the the kind of depth of analysis or or kind of the the story that got told they just wanted to make sure that their latest car was seen you know on so-and-so's feed Um, so I think that for me is is the biggest change Um, Mm. and I kind of it was driven home to me excuse the pun on a on the Mustang launch which I went on in in Cape Town and we were hosted by Ford at, at the Bantry Bay Hotel and we were in TV and the TV a component obviously very often got put with the what was called the lifestyle guys, so not the serious car magazine, you know guys from change cars, all things motoring, not those guys uh, and so we got to hang out with influencers and I saw um one of the posts that the influencers put out there that said, hanging out on Camps Bay, but she was in a bikini hanging on on Camps Bay Beach on the Ford launch, and I was like, well. How is Ford happy with this because he's not talking about the car there's no photos of the cars there's no, there's no information, but it was a changing landscape, and I think that was I saw the start of that, and I kind of realized okay this is, things are things are going to be different that's the one thing, and the other thing is is now this kind of very um real focus on tech and kind of moving and we've discussed it in a previous episode oh. it's moved away from this kind of hardcore performance and more it's more about how it how it
0: helps your life rather than you know how it makes you feel. Okay, so I'm going to put you guys both on the spot here, if you don't mind. Can I go second, please? You're going first, actually. (laughs) So, (laughs) Spike mentioned that manufacturers are now looking just for eyeballs. That's all that matters. Mm. Um, Influencers, eyeballs, who sees the post, how many people see the post. Do you think there is value there? Because I can sit in my little, in my mother's bed uh, back room or in, in a room in my mother's house, on my phone, on Instagram, and dream and like and like and like and there millions of me's out there. doesn't mean I'm, I can afford the car sure. or mm. I'm going to buy the car. What's your take on that?
2: So the interesting thing is, whether I agree with it or disagree with it, I love people who are knowledgeable. Mm. I love people who have a history and they can write what I will uh, place value on. Mm. However, not everybody's like that. Mm. Is there value in influencers? Not even a question. How many likes? 23,456 likes. Job done doesn't matter what that person said hanging out on camps bay beach looking cool whatever the case may be i don't even know who the person is if she got likes as far as the manufacturer goes am i wrong google yeah, yeah. they are they are yeah, happy yeah. however do i agree with it not necessarily yeah. go get a car magazine from the 70s the 80s or the 90s and read the test you read it You could feel it, you could live it. They spoke about the feel on the road, the changes of the gears, the braking distances. Who cares about what the braking distance is on a modern car? They don't even talk about it. Mm. A modern journalist won't tell you the car stops from 127 meters, whereas two years ago it stopped in 29. No. No. Yourself, what do you feel?
1: I agree with you. I think that it's it's kind of irrelevant what we think because it 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 works for the manufacturers on some mm. level. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. You think it converts to ROI? I, that's the big question. And then you've got to look at it from the point of view of what is, what is marketing and how much of marketing actually converts to actual ROI. Um, and one of the manufacturers who I, I won't man, I won't name but said to me, I had this conversation with him and he said to me, yeah, the thing is…
2: What letter does it start with? Can it I'd-
1: starts with a Q. You, yeah. uh, I was so, going to say, I, I want to try this. <laughs> <laughs> um And he said to me, yeah, he, he, he also doesn't agree with the influencer model. But he said he just looks at it as billboards. That's all it is. Is that, you know, you don't get much from a billboard other than, wow, look at that car. Mm. But... That car's top becomes top of mind if you see it enough, or you get to know about that car, or you get to know about that brand because you're seeing it all the time. And that was his recipe. He was like, you know what? I'll take it because that's where the market is. That's what people want to see. And he won't put much stock in their opinions. He'll just use them for their ability to get eyeballs on his product, and then rely on car magazine, all things motoring, all the other kind of, you. you know, journalistic approach, uh, journalistic uh, outlets to
0: give that approach to, to the process That's an incredible analogy. Like he just looks at it as a billboard. Yeah. Very, very clever. It was, yeah. it that way. And yeah. it, it, it puts it all into perspective in yeah. a way. And influencers listening, I do apologize. Um, I see your, <laughs> your role and value in this entire food chain. <laughs> your thoughts? My thoughts? One of the things about a capitalist
2: world mm. is if you can make it work and you deliver results, you're going to get your reward. Yep. The reason influencers are around is because they're delivering something for somebody. They've got a the following. Well done to them. You mm. know, twenty years ago a typist would have said, Oh my word, how can you have this technology that does away with a typist? How many typists do you get today? Never no. heard of one. Yeah. Hundred percent. Doesn't mm. even exist. Yeah. So the world changes. If you can make it work as an influencer, hats off to you and yeah. well done. There's a there's a place in the sun for everybody. Yeah. And just my final thought
1: on it is that if you know if a manufacturer doesn't go to the influencer route, they're losing out because everybody else is. So you're mm. kind of damned if you do, damned if you you have to uh, because you know your competitors are getting the traction that you're not getting by not including influencers in what you're doing.
0: For sure. All right, so we've reached the end of yet another episode of the Keep It or Change Cars podcast, gents. Thank you so much for your time, the banter, the inputs, everything. Well appreciated and would love to get you in on the conversation as well. It's podcast at changecars.co.za. Email us or if you just need advice, that's what we're here for. And if you're looking for a new or used car or a bike or a boat, get onto the Change Cars website or if you want to sell your car, if you've got a vehicle that's got 15,000 kilometers or less annually, we'd love to buy it from you. Get in touch with us and I promise you, we'll give you a good deal. For South Africa's best motoring content, catch all things motoring on DSTV channel 189 and on YouTube. New episodes every week.